not already exited the building, he probably has, but just a brilliant job. That's his first, uh, first year leading the ministry and really seriously well done to those guys. Also wanted to mention a quip tonight before I really kick off. We've got some really important information to share. We'll be talking about how we're, uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a change in our building uh, project coming up. We really keep you informed about that. We're also going to talk about a real big, fat, hairy issue that our church is facing at the moment. And uh, it is big, fat and hairy. You'll probably have some wide eyes as we talk to you about it. We're not through it and uh, we're going to be sharing about that. We just want to be open and honest with the church and also uh, get your prayer in regards to that. So please come along for that. We're going to be doing some teaching about how do we get change to happen in our lives and in the lives of others as well. So you'll be well equipped, which is the whole point of the night. All right, well, Blessed Life series. And I simply want to begin with a question. Just stick your hand up. Who here wants to be, uh, wants to be blessed more in your life? Just put your hand up. Most people want to be blessed more. I want to be blessed more. It's funny, that question though. I don't know about you, maybe there's no hassle at all. But in church world at the moment, it can be a little bit, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to be blessed. You know, is, is that allowed? Because I don't want to be prosperity and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to go out on any extremes here. I don't want to be self-centered. Well, I think it's all right to be blessed. I just want to take the guilt away from that. The scripture certainly teaches us the whole gamut. It talks about times of suffering and trial and perseverance and the things that we got to go through in life. That's okay. We teach it. We believe it. In fact, you could argue that is even a part, you know, God can work his blessing through those circumstances. No doubt about it. But I'll be, you can call me whatever you want. But if I'm truthful, I want the good end of the blessing season. Is that all right? Do you know what I mean? And I'm not ashamed to say that. I want to be blessed in my life. I want to prosper in my life. And here's the reason, because we want to be blessed to bless. It was always God's intention, right back with the children of Israel. I'll bless you so that you can be a blessing to others, so that I can be a blessing to my own family, no doubt about it, but I can be a blessing to others as well. If we look at Jesus talking in Acts 20, or they're quoting Jesus in Acts 20, Paul says this, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. This is the, really the heart of this whole series. It's more blessed to give than receive. The Greek word for blessed there is makarios. It can actually be translated to happy. Jesus is saying, you're going to be happier in life if you get this concept that the heart of, of who you are is to be a giver. That's, that's what it's all about. In fact, if you summarize the whole Bible in two words, you could come up with God, it's about God, and what is the action? Gives. John 3.16, the most famous scripture, for God so loved the world, he gave. God gives. It's the heart of our faith. And Jesus is saying, if you get that, you're going to be happy in your life. If you understand your life is not meant to be this, but that, you're going to be happy. So grab a hold of it. I remember learning this lesson in a really practical way myself, just uh, a story. It was about probably 20 years ago. So I'm, I'm in my early 20s and um, I, in that time, had a, a good job, a good income, not a whole lot of responsibility. 
And I remember somebody in the church, a young single mum, sort of, I don't know how I heard, but I heard that she was struggling financially. Her washing machine had broken down. She had two little girls. And I just felt God's tap on the shoulder at that time. Carl, that's your responsibility. You, got, you do something about that. I was like, great. So I, um, I remember when and I got a bank check and so it was all anonymous. And I remember I felt like a bit of a spy because I covertly sort of went up to her um, letterbox because I didn't want to be seen. So covert, covertly, you know, checking around, put the thing in the letterbox, do the runner, felt really good, dusted my hands off, I'd done my job, right? I, I felt good about that. And, and here's, I guess, just simply what I learned from that. It was about maybe a month later, and I, we were sitting in church, this church, and uh, she came up to the microphone and sort of with tears in her eyes, she just shared about how she was in this incredibly difficult situation and somebody had put this uh, money in her letterbox and she was just talking about the goodness of God. It just reaffirmed her faith. She was so blessed. And I sat there. How do you think I felt sitting there, wherever I was? I was like, it's me. I did it. I was like looking at people, just trying to sit up a bit taller. I did that. I didn't say it, but I wanted to by sitting a bit taller after the service was over. I'm like, what about whoever gave that money to that lady? What about that guy? So that's a pretty good thing to do, isn't it? People are like, yeah, it's all right. I think that guy's going to be blessed, you know. But I felt good about it. And I realized something. There is a blessing that comes. I felt so good about the fact that I'd given. Now, I just want to say, don't give me credit for that. It was 20 years ago. I might have been the stingiest person in the world, right, in the last 20 years. I'm not asking for credit. And you could argue, because I've just told all of you people here right now, I lost my blessing, right? So it's gone anyway. Oh, I just have to share. I have to keep all the other stories to myself because there's plenty of them. I just lost them all. Anyway, it's better to give than to receive. This is what we're going to be talking about this whole series. Jess next week. Mother's Day is going to be great next week. Kate, Laura and the, the team are just working hard on a great welcoming blessing service for our our mums and Jess is going to be continuing this theme of sowing and reaping uh, into uh, vision builders. We'll keep the theme going. Uh, Andy Goulet is coming. He'll talk about sowing your life. So it'll move beyond sort of what we're talking about today, which is finances. But we're, we're blessed to be a blessing is the theme. But today we're going to start at the top. Probably the right place to start. It's a song about that, isn't there? <laughs> but it's, the, it's the, the place to start, the beginning. We're going to talk about our finances, our first priority, and that is today we're going to talk about giving to God, getting that right. We call it tithes and offering here in our, in our church. And we're going to drill down into that, see what the scripture has to say about it, because you'll find the scripture says if we get this one right, then we start to understand blessing. We, we start to call blessing into our own life. So I encourage you to really journey along with that with us. Um, I've shared this with you before. We're in a strange season as a church. We've got two paradigms happening. At the moment, our weekly tithes giving is down. It's um, maybe about 10% down on where it was last year, which is a considerable amount in a budget like ours. In fact, uh, last week we met as an executive and we've taken it to the board. 
we've we've had to make some substantial changes as a, as a church and um, really pull some things back. Um, you know, all, all sorts of different areas. I'll talk a bit about that tonight. Uh, that's the season we're in. There are seasons in church life. Sometimes God uses those seasons to bring uh, some clarity and, and you work things out. That's okay. But the flip side is when we account for our vision builder giving, what we're seeing over here, and by the way, we're on track. So, you know, God bless us as we give. We are right on track and we've only got a month to go before we hit the end of the whole vision builder season. Uh, everyone is being faithful and I encourage you, if you haven't given, it matters, keep giving. So we're, we're on track. But when you put that with our regular giving together, we have never been more generous as a church than we are right now. This is the most generous this church has ever been. So we're sort of walking with two paradigms at the moment, incredibly generous, but walking a really tight line. And I guess I want to say this, because there are two paradigms. If we were way up this end and everything was roses, or we were way down this end and it was incredibly tight and difficult at the moment, I believe we should still share this message about making God your first priority, about giving to God, because it's a message that breaks free. It comes from a conviction in my own heart that this can change your life. I'll say that unashamedly. Jesus talked more about money than just about anything else when he was here on the earth. Now, was he infatuated with money? No, he wasn't, but he knows we are. He knows we have a problem with finances. He knows that if he wins our heart, especially when it comes to our finances, then we're a long way in our journey of discipleship in following him. So that's why we're going to talk about it here today, and that's why I do it with real conviction in my heart. Now, we're going to ask questions. We've had some problem with slides today, but we can get this one up on the screens somewhere. Uh, questions can go to that number on the screen. I've said before, save the number because it's our church question mobile number and you can ask questions, we'll answer them at the end. So I want to start today and just ask about uh, tests. Anybody have this happen to them? You rolled up into school, standing beside you as a kid, you know, and he says to you, so you're ready for the test today? And anybody else have this situation where you, where you went, what test? Anybody ever have that happen? Turn to the person next to you and say, what test? And you'll remember it. The memory will come back to you. What test? But when was a test? When did that happen? You know, what, what's the test all about? Well, I believe that God talks about tithing in relation to a test. When I ask this other question for a hands up, put your hand up if you get paid weekly. So every week on a certain day you get paid, hand up. Now, what, keep your hands up. What about fortnightly? You get paid every second week. What about monthly? Put your hand up. What about never at all? I never get paid. Put your hand up. <laughs> Bad luck to you. <laughs> I got nothing to say to you. Go and do cap money or get a job. Is that harsh? That's harsh. Sorry. If you can't, I have compassion for you. <laughs> My wife's given me the, the, the eye that says, say something. Oh, Okay. Sorry, this is what I'm saying. If you're a single mum and you're at home, just mums, anybody who doesn't have a job. Have I, am I digging a hole at the moment? 
See, I should have just left it. It was funny back there. It's not funny. All right. We get tested every single time we receive income by God. This is really where I want to go. When we receive our finances and God says to us, do you trust me enough with your finances? Will you give? Let's read from a famous passage of scripture on this. Not the only passage, but Malachi 3 verses 6 to 12. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. That's just an interesting passage right at the beginning. I don't change. Old Testament God is a New Testament God. Same heart. And similarly, he doesn't destroy us because he doesn't change. He's a God full of grace. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Not says Carl, not says this prophet, not says some other pastor, says God. This is my decree that I tell you. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not even have room for it. And he goes on, talks about how he will prevent uh, things happening and how he will bring about that blessing. So let's dig into that passage of Scripture. Right there at the top, he says... You have gone away from my decrees, is the NIV. Other versions use the word ordinances. This is my ordinance. What is an ordinance? It's like an ordinary way of doing things. My ordinary ways. You have moved away from what is expected, what is just ordinary, what is baseline for people that follow me. You've drifted away from that and you need to return to that. See, Right up front, we've got to understand this is an ordinary principle of Scripture that we give back to God first. It's clear in this passage, and it's why I want to start here today. If we want to be blessed in our life, we want to be blessed to be a blessing, we start here. I'm just using the words of the passage. If I tithe, I am blessed. If I don't tithe, I'm cursed. It doesn't seem too difficult, does it? It's the scripture. I know people are like maybe feeling uncomfortable with that, but that's what the scripture says. If I tithe, I'm blessed. If I don't tithe, I'm cursed. Which one do you want to pick? You want a blessed life. We want to be blessed by God. Which one will you pick? Tithing or not tithing? By the way, we're going to talk about that word curse in a moment because you might have some questions about that. So what are we learning first up about tithing? First of all, tithing is a test. It's a test of your faith. Do you believe God? Do you trust God with your finances? Every time we receive our income, it's a test from God which helps us to examine our hearts before God. Now, again, if I haven't said it, tithing means 10, 10%, a tenth. It's the same for rich or for poor, whatever your situation is, it's that much. If you know, you've got this much, it's 10%. It's one cent in every 10 cents. It's just what God says. That's the principle. Now, why does he use 10? That's interesting. Where are we getting this idea that it's a test from? Well, let's do a test and we'll talk about that. The number 10 represents in Scripture testing. 
It's always the same. Let's have a look at it. So I'm going to read out a statement and I want you to yell out the answer enthusiastically, all right? So we're going to have a look at this in Scripture. How many plagues are there in Egypt? Ten. Let's, let's do it again all together. How many plagues are there in Egypt? Right, there's ten. Now, other parts of Scripture, it talks about uh, ten times will I test Pharaoh's heart. It's a testing of Pharaoh's heart, okay? How many commandments are there in the Scripture? Ten. Ten times. Uh, we, and it's God's way of testing Israel's heart. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. You're on. You, anybody seeing a pattern here? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Come on together and loud. How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins tested in Matthew 25? How many tests in Revelation? How many disciples were there? Jeez. We'll be doing uh, Christianity 101 for you, Michelle, next week. Uh, you were on a roll. I could hear you. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a test. Ten represents test. It's a test of us and it's a principle that continues on. Jesus speaks more about money, I've already said this, than any other topic. Not because he's mean, not because he just wants to extract it from us, because he wants us to pass this test. And that's why this issue is so important. Well, you've got to ask yourself the question today, am I passing this test? Now, this word curse, he emphasizes, you're under a curse if you walk away from God. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't do the things that I'm telling you to do. What's this talking about, this word curse here? Uh, it's interesting, he doesn't say, I will curse you. He says, you're cursed by a curse. It's, it's like you're putting yourself out there under a curse. And we could even say, but aren't I, you know, new covenant under the cross, I'm not under the curse. Well, what's that all talking about? Another way of looking at curse is like this. It's a consequence of our behavior. So in the Old Testament, God set up a covenant, a way of walking with God, an agreement that they had together. But always there's a, there's a give and take in this. You guys have to own up to this. You own that. And if you do that, you'll be putting yourself out of my best intention, my way for you to live. And when you do that, there's a consequence Oftentimes it's called a curse. There's a consequence to you living outside of my best plan for your life. And it's the same today. We can't as Christians go, well, because it's the New Testament, there's no consequences. None of us would say that today. It'd be crazy to say, I don't suffer any consequences because I'm now under Jesus. I mean, I am saved by Jesus. He did take my sin. But does that mean you never sin? Of course not. Every single one of us in here, if we're honest, say, yep, I've sinned. I continue to sin. Now, we know if we continue to live under that sin, there's a consequence. Jesus broke the power of sin. We don't have to live under it. We can repent. We can follow after him. We can trust after him. We have a freedom to walk and follow in his life. But if you don't, you'll live in the consequences of that sin. Here's a simple example. If we might... You might be a believer here today, love Jesus, but if you go and rob a bank, straight after the service, there'll be a consequence. You'll go to jail for that if you're caught. There's a consequence to your sin. I won't feel particularly sorry for you if you do that, because there's a consequence. If you're married, we've talked about this, and you have an affair, 
you commit adultery, there's a consequence. You're putting your marriage in danger. You don't say, well, I'm saved. Jesus saved me. I don't have any consequences. Of course you do. Because you're putting yourself out of the way he's told you to live. And that's what this principle is about here in the scripture. Here's another question that often gets raised while we're just dealing with these things. What about isn't tithing just under the law? Isn't it Old Testament? That passage I just read is Old Testament. Just, it's about 15 verses shy of the New Testament. Would have solved us a lot of problems if God had just moved it, right? But he didn't. There's again a reason for that. It's a, it's a principle that carries on from old to the new. And again, it is referred to in the New Testament. But we can say that. Isn't this just Old Testament? Well, if you're saying that, it's a bit like saying that if it was right for them back then, under the law, under the Old Testament, it means I don't have to do that now. I don't have to live that way because I'm free, I'm under grace. But that would be like saying, once upon a time, it was do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery. But now I'm free to do that because I'm under grace. Well, again, of course we don't say that. We hold on to these principles of Scripture that carry right through into the New Testament. The principle continues. By the way, is a, just another quick thought. Tithing, the, the principle of giving, your first fruits, that 10%, it's not even really a part of the law. You find it within the law, but it predates the law. Uh, well and truly before the law, we see in Genesis uh, 14, Abraham giving to Melchizedek, who was a type of Christ a tenth of everything that he had. A very clear principle of just giving to God. It's an ordinary principle before the law was set down. You want to go back further, 500 years before that, Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, 4, 2 to 5. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. But Abel brought fat portions and some of the firstborn of his flock. See, right there at the beginning, the principle of giving is in existence. Cain says, you know what? I'm just going to give whatever I've got, just the second, the third, the stuff that's fallen off the tree, the rotten stuff, whatever. I don't know how he did it, but he just gives that stuff. Dusts his hands off him and duty's done. Abel says, this is a, I understand what's happening here. You imagine how hard that would be. The first fruits of the flock, he says, the, the, the ones that I've waited for ones that matter so much but God I trust you enough with what you've given me that I'm going to return it to you it's going to be a blessing to you I'm going to give you my most prized and see what happens do we really let that challenge your heart the most prized the, the best the fat portions you can see if you're like me that's a test wow could I live up to that could I do that well it says the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. In other words, it's like a test here. God says to Abel, yep, that, you passed the test. Cain, you didn't pass the test. You didn't give of your best. And for us, the principle goes, I mean, 10% is 10%. But how do we give of our best 10%? I think it's our priority. We give first. We give with that little bit of nervousness about what about all the other stuff that is due and I'm going to give that first. What about my, the, the need of my heart? But I've just got that paycheck. We give of our first and our best. 
So he's saying, God, you get my best. Now I'm going to trust you with this in my life. Now hear me on this. It's not about reckless giving. If you are totally, you know, over the top in terms of debt, you owe everybody. Your credit card's overdue and you owe your, your parents or your, your sister and, and it's a, your finances are in a terrible state. I actually wouldn't say that the best thing for you to do is just go, oh, I'll give 10% so I'm blessed. There you go, God, you better sort out my finances. I think with this comes a prioritization of God. With this comes do a budget, get smart about it, get some counsel, do a cap course and say, how do I work this out? How do I prioritize God in my life? It might even mean at times you've got to reduce the other spending that you do. Maybe that's a, a discipline that God wants to teach you in your life. You've got to say no to some things for Jess and I. We, we always we say, what is our giving first and foremost? And then we know, right, well, we can't, we've we got to watch out here. We can't do that. We can't go on that holiday. We've got to reduce something here. And I think it does our heart good to do that. For us, we've had to look ahead years in advance at times and go, I mean, for us, we're putting our kids through school. So years ago, we started putting money aside to put our kids through school. It's caused us to think different about our life and about what matters in our priorities. So I say that just to give you the, the, the sense or the realization, I don't want just money in the bucket as a way of saying to God, well, you better live up to it. I want you to sort your life out. Now, I'm not saying either be lazy about it and go, oh, well, next year I'll see where I fit with that. Start now. Begin that process now of trusting God uh, with your life and uh, moving towards budgeting, changing your priorities. Okay, what else do we see? Tithing is just the beginning. Now, I've already said that tithing is like an ordinary practice, just what they did, what we do. But I do want to touch on the differences between old and new. In the Old Testament, things are legislated. You didn't give 9%, you didn't give 11 you gave 10%. You got it right. There's all these rules about how you follow God and you get it right and you don't mess about with that. But as we move into the New Testament, we see Jesus say or the scriptures say, I'm going to write my laws on your heart. Suddenly things are going to change. This principle comes not so much to being about the, the, the scent value, but about being about your heart. So this is why I say tithing is the beginning. We go above and beyond. It, it's a principle that carries through into our life. I spoke about this last week in, in our marriage series, but it's true in every area. In, in Matthew 5, when it comes to adultery, Jesus, okay, so that's a law, Right? But Jesus says, now it's not about adultery. You don't even lust in your heart. Now it's not about murder. You don't even be angry at your brother without being in danger. Divorce, now it's not even getting a divorce for any reason. Now there's hardly any reason to get a divorce. And in Matthew 5.20, he says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees, they're the ones that got it right, you're not going to even enter the kingdom of God. Well, how is that possible? Listen to what he says to them in Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You give a tenth. So here it is, again referred to and again in other places in the New Testament. But you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. 
you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He could have stood there and said, by the way, that's all going to end. There's a time coming when that's going to end, but I want to hit this point. He could, have, he could have made some sort of address about that. He doesn't. He just says, don't, don't neglect the former. Don't neglect what is required of you. But in, in what is copybook, Jesus, he says, don't you stop there. Don't you make it about what you are supposed to do. Move beyond that. Go to a better way. Address the issues of the heart. And let's see justice pour out of your life. Mercy and faith. Here's another way of looking at this. We've already said tithing was, well, it was before the law. It certainly is included uh, in aspects of the law. But again, so was adultery and murder on and so on. Imagine if I said this to my wife. Imagine if I said, Jess, I'm not going to commit adultery because it's the law. I want to commit adultery, but I'm not going to because it's the law. So just take that for what it's worth. What do you, how would Jess respond to that? What would be her response? Slap across the face? Are you serious? Is that all our marriage is worth? What does Jess want me to do? She wants me to say, I love you. And I'm not going to commit adultery because I love you, because I want to pull my life. I want to focus on you. Not because there's some law, some stipulation. And this is what God is saying to us. We live in a new dispensation, a new covenant. We can go above and beyond because he deals with the issues of the heart. Let it challenge us here today. We don't do this out of coercion. This is always a trouble when you speak, particularly on this issue. Ah, it's about guilt and so you're bringing up laws and man, I, I would hope beyond anything else, people would grab a hold of the heart of God in response to his goodness and love. I respond to him by saying, God, I trust you, all areas of my life, but certainly my finances. Now, you know, some people actually say this and I, I understand this argument. They say, you shouldn't even talk about 10% because 10% is limiting you know, it makes it about a rule. And I, there's some, that's not a bad argument is what I'm trying to say. The only thing I'll say is, this is not fair for everybody, but people that tend to carry that argument and sort of say, leave it up to people, just, you just the principle is giving. We tend to have hearts that take the easy way and not the high road. I think there's a reason God gives us that, that principle of 10%. Because we tend to fall back to a little bit. I'll give something. Every now and again, oh yeah, I felt a, a prompting in my heart. And I sort of just, I don't, I'm not disciplined in this area of my life. Instead, I'd say, let 10% be just the guide and move beyond that. And for us in our church, we talk about vision builders. That certainly moves beyond the 10% if you're willing to give to that. We talk about, we're taking an offering in a minute later on for Nepal. That moves beyond the temple. There's plenty of chances. So I would agree with don't be limited just to 10%. For some, 10% is too easy. If you really want to be honest, the scripture talks about giving all in the New Testament. They gave as they saw people had need. So we do have to be careful. We don't get so tied up about this figure of 10% when God is challenging us beyond. And there might even be cases where it can go the other way. 
All right, here's the, the, the last one, and you might want to stick that question number up again. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. This is Hezekiah talking in 2 Chronicles 3, 31, 4 to 5. It says, he, Hezekiah, ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and Levites so that they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. What's happening here is they're in a time of recession and they've had an evil king, uh, his father, King Ahaz, before. So they've all forgotten the principles of God and they pull open the scrolls and Hezekiah's reading them and he finds this principle of giving 10%. And he puts out this decree to all the people of Israel. He says, I know it's tough, but I found out a principle that we haven't been doing. We've got to sort this out. We've got to repent and go back to God. And so he calls them to do this. Calls them to give back. And in verse 5, it says, As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount a tithe, 10% of everything. Now, it's interesting, as you read this, Hezekiah starts going, wow, the people are responding. And he sees that it talks about piles of stuff starting to, to, to rise up. And this is amazing. But like any good pastor or carer of people, he starts going, what about the people? What's going on? Are, are the people all right? Because things are tough already. Are they, where are they at? And then we see in verse 10, the priests get back to him. And they say, since the people began to bring the contributions to the temple of the Lord, we've had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people. And this great amount is left over. And Hezekiah sees it and he celebrates. The recession is over. Things have been changed. Why? Because the people were willing to give. They followed up on this principle. And Malachi, it's the one time in scripture, God says, test me in this one. And see if you can't trust me. Be generous. It's the principle of giving first to God. And it's challenging and I understand that. But I'll tell you what, there's two testimonies on this one. Those that give, that understand this principle, they'll say, to a person, I'm blessed. My life is blessed. The other group that that haven't made it there yet, it's no guilt or condemnation and I just want to, add this in I don't know who gives in our church and, I, and I'll never know so just be aware of that and we won't treat we don't treat anybody any different just want to say that but the other group that you're on your journey and you've never given normally the response is I can't afford to do that it's too hard but the other group says I'm blessed I'm incredibly blessed in my life that is our truth that is the truth of Jess and I in our life does that mean we never have times where we've gone whoa we've got to pull in our belts and things are tough things are tight we've got to change this we can't do that of course but that is part of life and learning and discipline but when I look at the big picture unbelievably blessed I still walk around our house and think how how do I how is this part of what God has given me and the life that I've got the, the wife and the children I'm blessed God blesses us so I would say to you, try it. See if God blesses you. Like I said before, don't be reckless in this. Paul's talking in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He says, if you reap so sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Today we're talking about finances. Unashamedly, I think it's the start of the journey. Next week we'll be talking about the way you sow your love. 
The week after that, we'll be talking about how you sow who you are as a person in your time. So we understand there's a whole gamut here. But man, it begins with finances. In Matthew 6, it talks about the fact that your heart, where your heart, your treasure is, there your heart will be. There's a faith step involved in this. And it's hard to get your head around it. Okay, so we're going to jump to some questions. Lizzie's going to come up. She's been taking the questions on. And, and uh, Lizzie's going to answer all of your questions today. So that's fantastic. Did we, we got some questions? You can sit down now, Carl. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you can stay up here with me. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, question number one is, the tithe 10% before tax or 10% on what is banked into your account? That is a good question. I should have said up front too, I might not know all the answers to this and we'll get back to you. I think that is a commonly asked question. Um, pastors tend to say it's um, before tax, right? You know, tithe, tithe the whole amount. Look, I, don't, I think this one is a question between you and God. Uh, I do think the general answer is the whole amount. I'll tell you my story. I've always done the other way. I've tithed on my after-tax giving when I was uh, not in ministry. We still tithe now. But then we tithed on our um, tax return, you know. Uh, that was the way I chose to do it. So I don't think God has struck me down uh, if I've got that wrong. Cool. Um, question number two. Can you tithe 10% of your time if money is not available? Or perhaps do half of each? 5% money? Five percent time spent volunteering. Yeah, um, look, I think this is an issue of finances. I think that's why it talks about it, and I would really challenge you. It's amazing what is possible when you work hard and uh, work to a budget. And you know, this is sort of the point, right? This is where the test comes in. Can I trust God with this uh, amount of money? That said, God is a gracious God, and uh, you know. You might begin the journey by beginning some sort of equation that works that way. But I personally, I'd be working up to being, just ensuring that it's, that it's 10% uh, in total. I think that's a fair enough way to answer that question. And again, you know, I, I'd be getting a bit nervous if it was all 5% of my time, 5% of my money, I'm going to make sure I've given the 10% to God. You know, it... I think this is about a generosity of our heart and a trusting of our heart. So, um, Question number four. How do we answer non-Christians when they confront us after seeing TV bagging out or disrespecting churches about tithing and the prosperity theory? How can we explain tithing um, in a language that they understand? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think... I think um, the truth is there are extremes out there and you know we, you don't want to I don't, we, we shouldn't be bagging the body of Christ but I think you can say listen just that church's story is not our story when we're not a church that preaches that extreme prosperity sort of doctrine you're going to be rich if you're a Christian we teach the whole lot you can explain that I think if you're talking to someone though about what a church does talk about what a church does I mean this church uh blesses Papua New Guinea, we bless India, we, we go into Ipswich State High School with our finances, we care after our, our own children and our youth, we visit people in hospitals, we provide an environment where we, we grow people and teach people. Uh, I think you can be unashamed about what a church does 
you think about it, if you go to a restaurant, you don't go to a restaurant, right, and, um, and sit down and have a meal and then just walk out the door. You, you wouldn't do that. Nobody would expect that. And yet, sometimes we can have that mentality about church. Well, somebody else has got to provide that food um, that, that nourishes everybody else. Jess ran a course this morning in our first service for people. We're teaching now. We, we care for each other. Uh, it's a logical principle, if you think about it, that, hey, I'm part of something. They're happy to pay gym membership fees and nobody gets upset about that. Well, I'm a part of something that I believe in and I, and I contribute to. So I put it into terms that make a little bit more sense. It doesn't just go into some bucket where, you know, everybody gets rich and, and, uh, and things get weird. Yep. Um, this one's a little bit broad, but... Sometimes people talk about the heart of giving. Could you explain or maybe clarify a bit more about what, what is the heart of heart of giving? giving. Would it be that point number two? It goes beyond, I think, cultivate a heart that is ready to respond and, you know, and to love and responsive. Uh, and you could say a lot about this, but I'd, I'd say cultivate a heart that's responsive. So this is why I'd say it begins here. But it certainly doesn't end here. You, you might work your way up. For Jess and I, we're well beyond 10% what we, what we give. It might be responding to vision builders or uh, just somebody who's in need, your neighbour or your, your workmate. You know, I think it's... Co- you, but you've got to cultivate that and you actually learn to trust God. And as you trust God, you find that he gives back and mir- almost miraculously, you have enough. I hope that answers that. Um, number seven, what, is, uh, what if the only income is from a non-Christian? I give when I earn, yeah. but can I give what my husband earns when he is not a believer? Yeah, um, another good question. Um, I, I actually think you've got it right. If, if you're in that situation, I think that, you know, that makes sense. If you can have a conversation with your husband or your wife and they were very willing to to walk that journey of the whole amount, I think that God would bless that, no doubt about it. But certainly, if you're in a situation, the husband said, look, you do what is right for you, I'll do what is right for me, absolutely no problem with that. You know, scripture talks about the fact that we live you know, such good lives that we win over our husband or our wife. And I'll take it a step further. If your husband is categoric against that church, you know, taking the money, it can be a little bit like that. I would say, don't give in that situation don't sneak money out i prefer that you don't give and that you that you honor the husband or the wife and the decision that what they're working to you're always going to be talking that through with your husband or your wife one other way if you're in that situation is to say look the church is giving to nepal today makes a little bit more common sense it's very hard to understand this topic when you're you're not in faith because this is a, a response to god sort of a topic so maybe you're even here today and you're not in faith and you're thinking this is, this is way beyond. Well, there's a reason for that because the Holy Spirit hasn't yet grabbed a hold of your heart to that point where you've got the inclination of your heart to trust Him in this regard. That doesn't mean it's always easy, but the inclination of your heart is there. Is it okay to use some of my tithe money if I think God is asking me to bless someone financially who belongs to our church? Yeah, so, look, my, 
real heart on this would be use this as a chance to cultivate a, a giving heart. For Jess and I, we would give our 10% mm. and then we move beyond that to do that. Yeah. But is God going to beat anybody up because you, you do that w once off? Of course not, you know? So, but I would say the ideal, there's a reason it's 10%. It, it, it's a test. It challenges our heart. I'd go there and then I'd try and move beyond that. That would be the, the simple answer. But God's a God of grace. He's, he's not about beating you up because you happen to do it a, a different way, you know, one off or a couple of times or however you do it. Above tithes and current giving commitments, how do you find the line between being generous and trusting God with your giving, but still having money and savings for bills, especially if your income is quite limited? Yeah. Um, I think, again, this is why a budget is so important. Uh, you know, we're not... You know, the scripture talks in Second Corinthians about giving what is... Um, you're willing to give, there's, a, there's a, a willingness, a generosity in that. A lot of those things give you indicators of where, where things are right. You're looking at your own budget, it tells you you've got to provide for your family. So whatever you do, you're not robbing from, from your family as you, as you do this, you've got to pay your debtors. Uh, if you're in a husband and a wife situation and you want to really stretch your faith, well, listen to the Spirit, God will speak to both of you on that. And, and sh try and understand what, what is God saying on that. You might pull it back a bit or you might stretch it out a bit. But that's not an easy question to answer. You've got to really be led and, and work that situation out. And my experience is you'll, you'll gradually increase. I think we should always be stretching. So you might, man, starting at 10% might be just awesome. And then you sort of give to vision builders and then, you know, and you find that you expand your heart slowly as opposed to sort of some radical, I'm just going straight to 50%. You know, I, I don't find in Scripture that's how God grows us. He tends to grow us uh, in a slow manner. Is that all? No? Uh, last one. Um, is giving to worldly charity like Young Care or World Vision, is that counted as giving slash tithing? Yeah, well, it says in the Scripture, return the tithe to the storehouse. That's very clearly a reference to the local church uh, so that food it talks a lot about food and, and and again the food we have is the nourishment of the word and the way we encourage each other with the word so there's a very clear principle to return it to the church i think that is the first priority remember the church then is god's mechanism for touching the world and that's why how when we give we're always giving to organizations that work through the local church so i would say it's not included in certainly this principle of tithing it certainly can be can, a part of just the way you would give just like you might give to your local school to bless them or any and god is for that uh avenue of giving but your first priority is sort of returning to god all right i think she did pretty good give her a hand a good questions so I hope you've been challenged today, I really do. I'm not apologising if things are tight for you, but understand this is never, ever about guilt, but about God's grace in your life and your response to that. And I do pray that you would be challenged and that you might respond and begin uh, to, to just say to God, God, I want to be faithful to you even in this area of my life.